Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Steven. Welcome to Tales from the SaaS Graveyard, where we talk to employees that tech companies are in the middle of the bell curve. Not going out of business, but definitely not hitting the big time. The SaaS Graveyard is a purgatory populated by companies that have made it to annual revenues in the 30 to 50 million range, but can't get to the next level, which is pretty impressive outside of Silicon Valley, but frowned upon here. We interview folks in various roles about their experiences working at companies like this. We're looking to see what common themes emerge across industries and roles. Today, we will spend time with our friend Todd, who worked at Rivet Rebate, which created a product in the rebate management space. A couple of firsts for us today on Tales from the SaaS Graveyard, a Canadian work experience, and the first person whose full experience was during the time of COVID. Now, Stephen, you and I have both had a similar thing uh, as Todd in that we had a role where we both hired uh, and left in the times of COVID. Uh, we both lasted just around a year, you a little less, me just a little bit over. And I know other other friends are like this as well. So it's not a unique phenomenon. And I think there's a reason why there are these really short careers uh, or roles that people are having during the times of COVID. And number one, um, we often, we took the jobs because there was so much uncertainty, especially early in the early days that we just felt like, oh, we need to take whatever job is available. So maybe we weren't as critical in terms of thinking about where we should go work. And then at least definitely for me, I didn't have the same emotional connection to colleagues um, at the, the place where I was fully remote as I did in, in previous roles where I had you know actual human interaction with my colleagues. And so it just made it, I think, easier to decide like, oh, I'm gonna go look for something else. Yeah, no, I definitely see that side of just lacking that kind of friendliness and connection in the office that you used to get. I know in my career and during the COVID times, I definitely put a lot of emphasis on building that emotional connection, definitely with like my direct team. And I felt like I had that, but I think the thing that was lacking was kind of outside the realm of the company of like quickly, like it felt quickly that my values and the company's values didn't align as much as I thought they did before, where I think if it was all in person, it would have been muddled. Like it would not have been as obvious to me because I would have been interacting with people from other departments more often. I'd be seeing more of the leadership talking about things in different ways. Or in the remote setting, it's like we're having an intentional meeting with someone outside of our normal department where, hey, I know our, my direct team is playing Among Us to celebrate when we ship new things or like playing Drawful or something like that. And it was great. We were having a lot of connection there. But everything else outside of that, it became very clear that I needed to get a new job because my values didn't align with what uh, the company was uh, looking to do. And I think that was, you know, I think that's the whole COVID remote thing sped that up for me, where I think I would have probably spent a lot longer. It was all in person. Well, let's find out why Rivet Rebate was not the right fit for Todd. Todd, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. My pleasure. Happy to be here. So um, before we get into Rivet Rebate, just want to get a little background of where were you in your career before you started there? So I was, uh, I was a year and a half into sales. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, this was actually an opportunity where they had come to poach me. I was in line to become an AE at my previous company. Uh, I promoted twice. I had gotten promoted twice. My previous company was doing well. Um, this company was expanding into North America from the UK. And uh, they're basically like, hey, we're going to hire you as employee number 001 in North America to come and build out our BDR team. I was like, wow, that's a great opportunity. So, you know, I was trying to become an AE and they're like, hey, we're we're basically going to fast track you into management. You're going to do a player coach role. You know, we just got in series A funding at $20 million. We're getting, um, we're, uh, 
a CEO, sorry, we're bringing in a VP of sales who's scaled companies like, I'm not going to name the companies. They're, they're big names. We can, call them, <laughs> we can call them Barry. So, um, yeah. So basically, like, um, you, you were not in any way looking for a role, but, like, this came to your attention. You're like, oh, I'm actually interested yeah. in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, uh, it, things were lining up. The company seemed good. The investment was good. You know, the profitability was there. The product was the top of the line in the market. I was like, you know what? I'm getting a chance to take, I was at a good company before, a great company. So I was getting a chance to basically do what they were doing and take, show other, like, just, you know, apply that elsewhere. So it was a good opportunity. So, so first a recruiter reaches out to you and then you, you, you become interested in this opportunity. What was the overall interview process like? The overall interview process was the recruiter reached out to me. Then uh, I did, a, obviously, after the first uh, reach out, I did a phone screening with the recruiter and their company where they just went through my resume. Then I had a panel interview with the with their management team. So it was uh, the person who was going to be my boss, a team lead manager that I was the role that I was going to go take on, and a senior BDR on the team. Um, and then after that, I had to do a screening with the with the VP of Sales, and a fifteen minute screening with the president. And what were your impressions with uh, everyone that you spoke to? Honestly, the impressions were pretty good. But yeah, they were pretty good, but something interesting had happened at that point in time, around that time. Um, what I was going into was not going to be the company that it was about to become. Because sure. it was all about to change with that one person that was coming on alongside me. It was the new VP of sales. So the company that I was going into was very happy. It, was very, it had a very family vibe. Uh, this was when they were still... They still hadn't expanded into North America. They hadn't blown up as much as they did. So things were about to just, you know, gear up. Right. But during the interview process, did you see any signs of that? Or did you, you spoke to people and you liked everyone? And or yeah. were there any were there any re- little red flags during the interview process? To be very honest, I've thought about it going back. Uh, I, everybody wants to just, you know, be like, oh, you know what? I have a good eye for just that, et cetera, right. et cetera. But... No, at that point in time, it was it was good. One thing that could have been a red flag was that I only spoke with the VP of sales for 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I only spoke with the president for 15 minutes. And uh, in my interview, in my final interview with the VP of sales, uh, I said to him, uh, so in sales, obviously, you want to close every, everybody. So one of the lines that I use, regardless of the time of the interview, is, hey, I said, hey, Barry. 15 minutes is not enough time to get to know somebody. But based on this conversation so far, do you have any reservations on moving forward to the next round? And he was like, Todd, you, you know what? I would disagree with you. I think it's an, I think it's just enough. You should read Malcolm Gladwell, Blink, the story about gun instinct. And then he goes on to tell me that the one thing that you've lived with your entire life is knowing how to breathe and your gun instinct, being able to tell whether something is uh, your cup of tea or not. He's like, Todd, I can tell you you're my cup of tea. I was like, you know what? <laughs> I'm not even going to bother. Come on, let's do it. Let's go for it, man. Now, so, I mean, at that point, you were, were you weighing the decision of staying at your current role or, and, or moving to Ribbit? Or was it like, oh, I'm definitely going to Ribbit? Was there any, like, hesitation? So, yeah, no. So, around the same time, another company, they I can name their that company. Uh, they're called Verisent. They basically do compensation management for companies across the world they were their business was booming um, because of remote work and everything they were looking to hire me on as a team lead and they were offering me more money than my current company was 
So essentially, I was at a point where I was realizing that, hey, as great of a position as I'm in right now, like some doors are opening up that I should not, you know, keep. I, I, that, there were opportunities coming at my plate that it would have been stupid to stay. So, yeah. But then, so then you you're in a great position. You have multiple things lining up. What was it about Ribbit that you're like? That's of all the opportunities out there, this is the one that's for me. It was gonna give me a story to tell. The story, well, I have a different story to tell now. But a story at that time would have been, hey, they were gonna hire me as employee number zero zero one. They did. I actually, I was the person that found the office location here in Toronto. Um, I built out their BDR teams to. To this day, it's my model that's you know, uh, that's being applied there and how they're operating. So I knew, regardless of how good or how bad it was going to turn out, I being being number one at anything would have just you know it would have done something for my career and my resume, and it did. Like with with what we're about to talk about, it might seem a little loosey goosey and wonky, <laughs> but it's probably the best experience of my career, one of the best. Cool. So before we we turn over to Stephen and talk about you, you know you're actually starting there. Is there anything you're know, looking back? Is there anything you wished you'd asked in the interview process that you didn't? Yeah. Yeah. I what I would have loved to what I should have done is I should have gone and talked to people uh, that previously had worked with uh, with this new this new hierarchy of execs that was going to come in. I should have done that because things came up. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, that that cliffhanger. Let's get into it. Yeah. So, so you sign the dotted line. What's your first month like at Rivet Rebate? Ten hour days with no expectations. So, my boss was everybody. The entire team was working out of the UK. Mm-hmm. Only the the new VP and our CEO were in California, and I was the only rep in the Eastern Time Zone. And they they were hiring a couple of AEs. So the management team was myself and my boss. And basically, I I would have to work till California hours, till basically 5 o'clock their, their time, so 8 o'clock my time. But I would be waking up 3, 4 hours earlier every single day for my boss's calendar in the UK because when we were interviewing BDRs, they were booking time on his calendar, not mine. So I had to accommodate that. But... The thing is that this was right out of the pandemic. Um, let me tell you this. It was the funnest, one of the funnest experiences of my life because everybody was young. It was a young group of BDRs. Everybody, like there were British kids. I love British comedy. I'm a huge soccer fan. Uh, my boss was, I, it was long hours, but I had this, Stephen, you know me, I'm a passionate person. Mm-hmm. Like we, we worked together. So I had that same energy for that company as well. Uh, till I was not exposed to a lot of things that were going on. The mission at hand was, hey, man, you know what? We're going to build this team together. We're doing this. It was fun. It was just me doing what I wanted to do with the team. It was my first time managing, hiring, and doing all that stuff. So I was flexing a lot of muscles. I was learning new things. It was tiring, but it was also very fulfilling. It, it was rewarding. Awesome. And so just kind of ramping up your team at that point of just yeah, like, let's yeah, yeah. hit the ground running. Yeah, um, yeah. Is that generally kind of how you spend the majority of your time? Is it just kind of hiring and ramping the team up? Or how did your, your role change? Yeah, so a lot of... Uh, so interestingly enough, I started as a player coach. 
but in the first month or two, in the first two weeks, my manager, oh, this is important. My manager basically said, hey, man, like, we actually need you to just continue to manage, lead, to support the team. We're going to take you off of prospecting. So he said, I'm going to take you off of prospecting. This information should have been relayed upstairs. It was relayed upstairs. But the, the amount, throughout the time, in my first month or two months, that I was managing, hiring, training, understanding the product, it was a complicated product, I was also supporting an AE who was just hired by that new VP of sales alongside me. So while we're building these new processes, this AE is expecting me to be a BDR for her, not expecting understanding that I'm actually a full-time manager. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's going in the back end and telling, having conversations with her managers that, hey, like I'm not getting supported and all that stuff. But that's not being re- relayed to me because my manager and I, we're just focused on building the BDR team. And that's how the full first quarter is going. Got it. And that, that you had no idea that there is, I guess, some resentment building towards you in that way. No idea at all. There was one moment where within my second or third week, um, this lady, she comes to me and she's like, hey, you know what? Like the meetings, blah, blah, blah. Like she says something. She basically played a power move. And she said that, hey, we should do it this way because the next time this information comes to you, it's not going to be from me. It's going to be from our director. And I was like, wait, who are you again? Because now I'm coming from a culture at my old company that was voted the best North American tech culture for three years straight. I was the face of my old company sales team. Like I was coming with a little bit of an ego on this, this with me as well. Working in sales, you need to have that. Um, when that happened, I straight away went to my boss. I was like, I'm not going to react. I'm just going to show you this message and you tell me what's going on over here because I need to understand what game we're playing here. I show him the message and he's like, does she know who you are, what your job here is? <laughs> I was like, no. I, I was like, you should go tell them because I'm not ready to be playing that game yet. I've never played that game. I'm not here to play any games. Um, she uh, and I, I showed it to, uh, so we, uh, this is basically in our management meeting and everybody was like, yo, does she even realize, first of all, who you are, what your job and what your job responsibilities are? Um, and then we ended it there and apparently he maybe might have had a conversation in the back end and then she just never said anything like that ever again. It was It was just calm, it was quiet. I feel like now thinking about it, maybe her and I should have had a conversation about it because maybe things blew up a bit more after and they probably did. <laughs> but yeah. Now, now, other than the fact that there's this miscommunication, were you happy when you were just being moved fully to coach and not doing the... Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was having fun with it. I was enjoying it. like uh, Because at the same time, we were getting a lot of success. The team was doing well amongst... This and the, I wouldn't even consider this drama. Like up, the drama has not started yet. This was just one. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It, this was just one little, just an, a problem with an an AE being a little shitty towards a BDR who she doesn't realize that the company's internal model is that the BDR is actually the manager. In the UK, team leads are full time managers in North America who are all t- team leads in the UK. So this company was calling me a team lead, and if you my job responsibilities and my pay was that of a manager. So there was just, I don't know, there should have been a lot of conversation, whatever, but you know, 
it, it adds more spice to the life. Yeah. The challenges of languages. Uh, I know. Yeah. 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 It's common language. It's important. Awesome. And so I, maybe I'm getting this wrong. You mentioned that you, you scouted out the office for the area you were yes. in. Yeah. Yeah. For, so in Toronto being higher number, higher number zero zero one, one of the projects at hand for me was going to be, Hey, you know, we're, we're, we're blowing up the team. We're hiring 40 people. There's going to be engineers. There's going to be marketing uh, people and stuff like that. Uh, find a great location to build an office. And now with that being said, I was the pe the people that I was hiring, I was getting really close with them as friends, as people that were working with these were people right out of university. I would like to think that I'm a good leader. I'm a very human and empathetic leader as well. So the way it was going on was it was just a lot of fun. We were having, we were working together. We were partying together. We were succeeding together. And uh, we basically found an office on King Street, and which is Toronto's... Uh, uh, it's it's uh it's the poshest street of Toronto where every it's near the financial district. Mm. Everybody that gets done with work on Bay Street, you know, just goes to King Street for happy hours. It's um, everybody in Toronto that works in tech, you'll basically find them on King Street. So the story that was going on was, you know what, I'm gonna be the head of the Toronto office. We're gonna have a um you know have an office on King Street. It's just it's just gonna be a life, but didn't fully go that way. Got it. And you opened it up. Did it, the office have, this was during, this was post the initial wave of, of COVID yeah. and all that. Did people come into the office or did it just end up being kind of like an empty? I never got to go into the office. <laughs> I left before, I left before they all went into the office. I joined my current company in September yeah. and they all moved into the office in October. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> awesome. So I guess going back kind of like you're, you're in your career at Ribbit, um, Ribbit, Ribbit Rebate and going through kind of what's the thing that you're, you're most proud of, Todd? What's the thing you're most proud of that you accomplished? Everybody that was on my team. So um, when I joined, we were supposed to hire two more of me. We we're supposed to hire two more team leads, two more managers. For the first entire quarter, we couldn't find anybody. Things turned at the end of that first quarter. Um, so at the end of that quarter, um, the 15 people that were hired by me, two of them were moved into, one was moved into an AE position, one was moved into a manager position. And then the others were split into other teams. I then was left with seven reps. My proudest achievement is all those seven reps right now are AEs or working in a better company, or got promoted internally, or one of them is w working with me at my current company. Of course, uh, you're remote the entire time you're there. Was there any interesting or cool remote perks you got? At yes. 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 Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. So, um, while I was get while I was getting uh, going through the interview process, getting poached by them. They knew I was uh, getting interviewed by other companies and I had other offers. They gave me a secret lab Titan chair, the standing desk, and courtside Raptors tickets to sign for them. Wow. That was also a red flag. <laughs> I'm not making this up. <laughs> wow. It, well, you mentioned that was a red flag. Can you explain maybe that was a red flag. Oh, maybe that was a red flag. Like they're, they're so desperate for people that they're willing yeah. to throw all this at them. 
but but obviously like uh hindsight is 2020 my career has uh not to brag my career has gone in a direction where i i do know i have the skills but maybe i hustle them a bit harder at that time i I could have i don't know let's just say i i was never able to cash in on those raptors tickets but you know (laughs) i got to keep the the chair on the desk the things that count and they're still with you yeah yeah awesome after the initial signing, were like while you were there, were there personally like they sent out little packages to their employees with swag, or what did they do to try and make you feel like you're part of the company? They only did that once ever. They actually, this was one of those companies that did not. Uh, they weren't. They weren't a cool tech company. They were just business forward. Wear collared shirts. That's where. Under the Series A and Series B, so one thing that I've noticed in tech lately is like everybody's getting investment. If you're if you have a little bit of profitability, you're you're getting investments. Everybody is able to hire uh, kids outside of university, but then under the hood, uh, they the, the marketing was not the greatest. There was no creativity in conversations. Everybody wanted to talk like a robot. My team was getting success, and then all of a sudden, they wanted to just templatize everything. And the swag box that they sent was only one. It was only sent when we had our first record-breaking quarter, and essentially, it was a postcard and just a mini champagne bottle with cheap shot shot glasses. <laughs> it was very un. Just it was just like okay, like you know, very uneventful, like. It didn't. It didn't have. Uh, it wasn't inspiring. Let's just put it that way. I'm not inspired. Yeah. If I got that in the mail, I would feel feel a little bit sad or let down. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. think the only thing that might be worse is like a polo shirt with the logo on it, or like a collared shirt with the logo on it. We're speaking yeah. about getting yeah. a Patagonia jacket all year long, it never happened. Oh. <laughs> It's like those Raptors tickets. They just dangle it in front of you, but they don't actually deliver. You know what else? They kept dangling over our head. Uh, a trip to Napa. Like, just every single time there was this thing, they, you know, what? when we hit our number, we're going to go to trip to Napa. We're going to go on a trip to Napa. Funnily enough, I, I still have friends there. And it started with, hey, we're going to take everybody to Napa. Then it went on to, hey, we're going to take the sales team to Napa. And now it's, hey, we're going to take key stakeholders to Napa. <laughs> wow. Oof, that is hilarious. Uh, I wonder if it started out as a joke of like, one day we'll be successful, I'll go to Napa, and then it became a reality for everyone of like, oh, it, this is a thing. It is, it, 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 it is a thing now. They, they had high expectations of what was going to happen. To be very honest, had they gone through with what was happening previously without this new guy coming in, they probably would have been in, would be in a way better position right now. You'll probably be hearing a lot about them right now, but yeah. Got it. Well, let's get into what's your most memorable day at the company? The day I quit. Should we, Jake? Do we want to go into that now? Well, no. I think we need. Yeah. I think before it's we, know, we think, yeah. I think we need to know to start to start to see like where are the first cracks. So you mentioned like you know yeah. the 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 awkwardness with that um, AE. But where did you start? Like it sounds great. You're enjoying your team. Where did the the cracks first start to show? Yeah. The cracks first started to show when my first quarter was starting to end because so the first quarter 
is ending with me being purely managing, not prospecting at all. Now, one interesting rule that they had over there was that they were going to have um, probation periods extended to nine months. So three months of ramp for reps and then six months of probation, uh, additional to see if you're good or not. That was the rule in the UK. Is, is that standard or like is that a normal thing? It's not outside of the UK. Uh, it wasn't the UK, but that's where things went wrong. They didn't do their back end research that that's not a rule in Canada. So one rep was not performing the best. And my boss just one day called us in a meeting towards the end of our quarter. He like, hey, we, we have to let go of this person. We're like, wait, what? Why? We have probation. We're like, first of all, like, he's not even doing that bad. How is this conversation happening? We've never heard this conversation before. How are all of a sudden, he's a good kid. Everybody loves him. He's one of those kids that like everybody wants in the room. Um, now, by the way, let me give you a bit of context. Prior to coming up to this, every Friday night, we're bonding together. Like I'm DJing for the team. We're like drinking together. It's a good vibe. We're doing well. All of a sudden, my boss is like, hey, we need to fire this guy. Why are we firing him? Because we didn't realize Canadian rules that we're not allowed to extend probation. And we can't extend his probation, so we have to let him go. Guess who had to break the news to him? You, I'm not supposing. Yes. And that's when it all started to crumble. So you have you have to let him go, which is, and you you don't agree with the decision, but you you have to do it. Yeah. And How, guess what? It was his birthday. Oh. The, the day of his birthday. The day of. Did they wait to say like, no? Don't don't do it on Monday. Wait till the Wednesday because that's his birthday. No. no, the way. Oh man, like, oh, the way it happened was. I found out what was about to happen, and then. We all have a morning sink. So it was me, him, a couple of others. We're all like talking. We're all in a morning sink. And I was basically going to let the morning sink end and then hop into a separate meeting with him and then have a conversation. While we're having the morning sink, another one of the managers, he, he like just access the link. He's like, hey, guys, like we got to end this right now. And then everybody leaves and him and I are just on the call. And we just like did there. That happened, just, you know, it, it, it was just, it, it was bad. I had an anxiety attack, panic attack, whatever you kind of call, call it that day. It was my first, like, I was on the street. I just stepped outside for, uh, to the grocery store, just, 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 you know, just to get a coffee or something. I'm just sitting on this, I'm just standing on the street light and I, I'm just tweaking. Something's going on. I'm like, not in a good place. I'm sketching out and I just go inside and tell my boss, I'm like, Hey man. I need to take a day off. <laughs> I'm not doing this anymore today, at least. Because you're, this is your first time being a manager. And so like this is your first time having to let someone go. So it's a pretty traumatic experience. Yeah. yeah. Wow. It was an experience, yeah. And, and how did the rest of the team react when they found out? Shocked. Completely shocked. Now, leading up to this, every single day. Now, in startups, you know that, yeah, there's always going to be changes. There's always going to be systematic changes and everything. It started with changes and it started with changes that were just supporting the AEs and just affecting VDR's pay. So there was already a lot of questions being asked internally, like what is going on? But it was still held together. It was still not broken. It was just like, 
leads being transferred from one person to another and all of a sudden you'll be like hey like this was under my name like why is it under this person's name right now like why are we not being given instructions when something is changing and whenever something goes bad i am the person who has to go deal with it and the reason why i was always the person to go deal with it because like people just like me i was also i'm i i i was okay being that person i was able to take that blow and make it less apparent now i was also providing obvious feedback but the thing is that my boss was going through a similar thing that I was, and there, there, was, you, so you basically there would be some changes. Like who was assigned to, to, you know, what leads? You would go up to your your boss, and like, what would he tell you to? Like, would he help with a resolution? Or yeah, yeah, he would always help. He would always like he was always there to help. Like he was his his thing was always uh, wanting to help. But even him, he was always positive, and he was starting to get cranky. I could tell it's not the engine is not running as smoothly as possible because every time we bring something to him, his first thing was he would go and fix it. Mm -hmm. But his thing was, okay, let me go fix it. Let me go fix it. It's like every single day, let's say over the course of however many times I asked him to do something five times, it was more than that. The first time he was like, yeah, yeah, I'll go fix it. Second time he was like, yeah, okay, I'll go fix it. Third time he was like, okay, wait, what happened? Fourth time he was like, are you sure this happened? Fifth time he was like, why does this happen again? So, so he's getting frustrated and then are you like you're are you getting similarly frustrated yeah beyond <laughs> now something interesting is happening for me personally around this time is that i'm sharing and learning my experiences on linkedin mm-hmm. now for salespeople, linkedin around uh the pandemic covid time was becoming your glorified resume builder like if you share your experiences about how you're learning, how you're progressing, how you're developing teams, you post it on LinkedIn. And my brand was building and the business was seeing that. And they were basically in a situation where like they, as frustrated as I was, I wasn't ever a victim. I was never victimizing myself because I knew doors were opening or were going to open up for me around this time. I got my first podcast last year and I didn't tell the company that I was doing mm-hmm. it. Cause like, I was like, I, I don't say I don't care right now. <laughs> like I was like, even if you fire me, whatever, I just don't care. I told my boss after I recorded it and he was like, Oh, it's fine. It's whatever. Um, but that shouldn't have never like, yeah, it was just, it was just weird. Was, uh, so on LinkedIn, when you're posting about your experiences, are you always putting it in the rosy light of like, Hey, you know, tough, a tough thing I had to do, but like a great learning experience or so do you... I don't make that those kind of posts. I was only, I, I only share strategic coaching posts, like how, 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 how to build processes, how to like, I'm not one of those, like, Oh, this happened, that happened. Like yeah. I'm not try, also trying to be an influencer. I understand the social media game. So I was leveraging it to my benefit. It's like, I was basically showing the world what kind of a sales leader or salesman I am. So if anybody was to ever come to my profile thinking about, hey, I would ever want to talk to this guy and hire him, they'd know exactly. It's like I was planning my escape before before even knowing I was going to escape. So, so you were doing not necessarily thinking like, oh, I need to get out of here, but it, it did help you get out of there. Yeah, it did. Tremendously. Tremendously. All right. So you, you've gone to the point where you've had to let someone go that you didn't necessarily think you wanted to let them go. Yeah. Um, what what further what other things started to happen where you're like maybe i should start to think about getting out of here great question so this is a story of three quarters all right <laughs> three acts <laughs> no it actually is <laughs> um 
the first quarter ended second quarter um because i joined my current company for the last quarter of the year mm-hmm. so you know um second quarter the way second quarter starts is the day before two days before this this guy was fired i was it was a friday afternoon this is where the story gets good it was a friday afternoon uh i was living at that time it, this was peak covid times i was living with my brother and my sister uh friday afternoon my sister is actually talking to my dad back home uh on speakers and we got done with work at two two o'clock uh, eastern time so i'm just having uh, an informal conversation with my boss on speakers so my sister is sitting next to me with speaking to my dad they can hear me i can hear them my boss goes sit down i need to say uh, tell you something i was like whoa what's about to happen here he's like i have some good news i was like what what good news he's like we're opening up two positions a full-time bbr manager and uh, uh a sales manager a commercial account executive and sales manager and he's like, I want to come to you first. He's like, what direction do you want to go? I'm like, first of all, I'm very happy that you brought this up. So my position that currently was, was a BDR player manager. Mm-hmm. So I was basically, he was basically going to permanently take me off prospecting. So I basically told him I'm already doing this thing. And I asked him, I'm like, what keeps me closer to you? He's like, yeah, the BDM position is going to keep me clo- keep you closer to me, direct report to me. Uh, the CAE position would be under Jerry. And he was like, I'll just tell you right now, you don't want to go in that grindhouse. I was like, oh, I know. I was like, oh, I know. I know I don't want to. I like, I know. <laughs> and then he's like, I don't, I'm just like, and my sister, she's looking at me, she's going like, is this actually happening? I was like, yeah, if you look, it's actually happening. What's going on over here? And my dad is like, is this actually happening? I'm like, he's like, get it on a piece of paper. He's like, get it written. <laughs> I'm like, I should have got it written, by the way. But, um, he basically, I'm like, man, I'm th- thank you. Like, you know me, I want to go for the BDM position. I want to continue working with you. He was like, think about this. He's like, think about this. Uh, take two days to think about it and then let me know. Uh, now, two, three days go by. Uh, he doesn't ask me. I just messaged him. Hey, my answer is still the same. Yeah. He's like, okay, I'll have an update for you by the end of this month. Two weeks or no, a week before the a- end of the month, we're supposed to announce the position, the transition for the position, position was supposed to basically be the very next one we're going to start. I'm like, wait, what is going on? Like, we're about to start in a week. There's no other candidates. Like, what is actually going on? Now, around this time, I still have 15 reps. Now, there was one of the rep who was made team lead alongside me around the same time. He was team lead for two days. Uh, sorry, for two weeks. My manager calls me. He's like, so this is what we're doing. Bill is going to be made a sales manager, a commercial account executive manager. This guy has never been in AE before. I'm like, what? This guy who was made team lead two weeks ago. I'm like, huh? Okay, cool. So he's going to be under the grindhouse. He's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. And we're going to take two members of your team and we're going to put him on his, put them on his team as AEs. Like, wait, what? And they didn't even take two of the best ones on my team. They took just like whatever. So in my mind, I'm like, yo, so the best ones on my team are obviously going to be like, what is going on? Why are, 
we not getting a promotion because it was a promotion mm. why are we mm. not getting a promotion why are these people getting a promotion i had the same question yep and then i was like okay cool so they took three people and then they hired one person externally to be on his team alongside bill as a manager i was like okay what is happening with bdm they're like oh we're probably going to do that next month or next quarter I'm like, huh. It sounds like the Raptors tickets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, huh. Interesting. And uh, and it just the story just keeps going from that point on. So so basically you are, you know, to recap, you've been kind of told like, hey, do you want this promotion? You say yes, and then like, oh we'll we'll do it later. And so then what it's like the next month is it the same conversation or how does it go after that? So now around this time, my manager, a couple of days after this happened that I got shafted for the promotion. My manager is like, Hey man, so I want to tell you something that happened last quarter. I'm like, what? The AE went and complained to the VP of sales and director that you weren't supporting her all of last quarter. I'm like, dude, you took me off prospecting. You yeah. offered me the job. You were going to make me a BDR manager. And now that I'm not one, now you're telling me that all of the three months before this, there was something going on? Like, you just... Where did you... Do? I was like, wait. I just felt like... I literally had this feeling. I'm like, where am I? I literally... It was like I woke up. I'm like, where am I? And did he try to defend himself or was he apologetic? You know what he would say to me? He'd be like, this is happening because you're making a lot of operational mistakes. There was this always this one thing that they always went back to that you're, I don't even remember what this mistake was. And I probably did make a mistake. I, I like, they were also so regimented that they were like small little things, uh, if you wore a hat in a meeting, you were going to get called out. So they were that kind. Mm-hmm. So I honestly do not recall what it was, but I remember when I used to have meetings with him, I'm like, man, like, you know, as well as I do, like you used to say, I was, just, I was like going this way. And then all of a sudden these things started to happen and these patterns emerge in my work level dropping. Now my work level was never dropping. It was always around. He would always say like, you're the best motivator I've ever seen. You're one of the best salespeople I've ever seen, but operationally you're lacking a little bit. I'm like, what does that even mean? Every time I ask for, thing or like every time I ask for as, as like you know something like that it always goes down to operation or mean on and sending a chain of command or something like that I'm like mm-hmm. maybe I'm not built for this but it there was always this lazy excuse to go back to but then he would always be like hey you know what I have your back I'm never gonna let like nothing's ever gonna happen to you all that stuff so there was just this weird limbo that was just very difficult to understand and so is that is, is that the story of Q2 no, there's more into Q2. Okay. There's a lot more into Q2, yeah. Right. So uh, the other thing that was going on along the same time was uh, I was trying to get annoyed at things. One day, my BDR comes and tells me, hey, uh, I want you to see something. I was like, what? The sales director and an AE were making fun of him on a Zoom call and it was recorded. And he sent that to me and I lodged a formal complaint against the sales director. Now this is what happens. Yeah. Um, 
I was not going to get promoted because the sales director didn't like me. That was always the story. It was never that AE. It was never mm -hmm. another thing. There was always the sales director. She wanted me to have one-on-ones with her every two weeks from the first day that I joined. In my first month, my manager was like, why are you going to have one-on-ones with her when the other managers aren't? So you stop that. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, she has, I don't know what happened there, but she was always a type of person that was just like, just not a good person. Now, the week after my manager comes up to me, the former file, the former complaint has been filed. She actually went and apologized to him. And something interesting happened. The VP of sales was supposed to have bi week, uh, every meetings, skip level meetings with every team manager after every three weeks. He took me off the calendar just without telling me anything. He took the meetings off my calendar. I was like, okay, cool. After I filed a formal complaint. Now, let me give you a bit of background on that. The VP brought in this director, those AEs, and a couple other people with him. They were promoted three times within two quarters. And everybody was like, what is going on? So that's a little bit of background context. What else was going on was the BDRs were booking opportunities and the AEs were not qualifying anything because they were afraid of getting fired. AEs were getting fired every single month, every single month. So now AEs weren't putting opportunities into their pipeline and BDRs were paid to, for unqualified opportunities. Now, the reason why this was happening, when I had joined, they told me that they had a 50% acceptance rate and it was valid. It was legit. Before, while I was joining, BDRs were getting paid on meetings booked. When I joined, they were told me all this. They were like, this is going to be great. They were like, you know what? We're increasing quota. I'm like, okay, what are you doing with the with the, uh, with the the stages? They were like, you know what? We're actually increasing the stage as well. Now, the BDRs are not going to get paid when they book the meeting. Now, they're going to get paid when the A's have a meeting with the prospect and after the first meeting and first demo, the prospect is like, hey, we want a second demo. We want to buy. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. So the BDR's job is to book a meeting and bring somebody to your table with a business case. But the BDR does not get paid till the first demo is not had. And they haven't said that, hey, you know, what? we're actually going to buy. We want to have this conversation. I'm like, this is really weird. This is really messed up. In the beginning, the A's were putting things in the pipeline. People were making their money. And then all of a sudden, it just completely died off. So the story of Q2 was nobody made money. Nobody knew what was going on. There was this fear of getting fired hanging over people, everybody's head. Um, and then they made me fire somebody else as well. And the way they made me fire somebody else was that this person was, he was struggling. He was getting switched from team to team. He was getting switched from AE to AE. And then when he came to me, I started coaching him. When I start coaching him within three weeks' time, I get a I get a message that hey, you know what? We can't hold on to him. We need to let him go. We let him go. Did you agree? Did you agree with that decision? No, I did not. Because my whole thought was, I was like, I always say that I can bring a B player, C player to a B and B player to an A. But the sales mm -hmm. director was like, my way of getting success is I've never kept on D players. I would only expand them and hire B players and only keep my A players. So that tells me you're not a coach. That tells me you're just, just you know, churn, churning yeah. <clears throat> churning heads, bringing people in and culturally, like that's how you work. So that's how you work. This conversation was had at a very interesting time 
when Q3 started. So this is how Q2 ended. All right, so let's get into Q3. <laughs> All right, the final act, I guess. Yeah. So Q3, we're hiring more AEs. Uh, people are leaving. And uh, I'm told that, you know what, at the end of Q3, we're, we're going to hire BDR manager. And you know what? You are going to interview for this position, Saad. I was like, oh, thank you. Thank you for opening this door for me to interview for the position that was always mine that you actually put me in front of that you weren't going to give me. And now you want me to give this interview to the sales director who is now my enemy. And I just know I'm not going to get it. And you're only doing it as a formality. And so this is your manager who's previously told you that you're going to get this job. He's like, hey, great, great news. You get an interview for this thing that I promised yes. you three months ago. Yes. And yes. so what, how do you react to him? What do you tell him? Honestly, at this point in time, I'm so checked out so checked out that I was just like, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a good shot. I'm gonna give it a fair shot and see what happens. Uh, I'm getting ready to start looking outside at this point in time. I'm like, you know what, I'm going to go all in. Um, I've had my podcast out that at this time, you know, I started having conversations with, with our current company, but these weren't conversations of leaving. There were never conversations that I was having about leaving. Um, so just real quick, if you're having a conversation with another company and it's not about leaving, what are you having a conversation about? I was just having coffee chats. With, uh, so that's something that I, like, I just meet every, every week I'm having like three, four coffee chats with other, just, just, you know, just networking. And, um, I, I, I realize now that these two people that I was meeting with, just networking with them, they had a, they had a hidden agenda, which I'm glad they did. Okay, so you're you're not cheating on your current company, but you're you're talking with other people. <laughs> yeah. And but you're you're all in on this interview. Okay, so uh, do you go through and actually have the interview? Yes, this is where it gets really good. <laughs> Oof, what an interview! The interview happens at five o'clock Pacific time, which is eight o'clock my time, which is eight one o'clock my manager's time in the UK. One a.m. One a.m. Yeah, one a.m. We get onto the call. It's a one-hour interview. Prior to the interview, I asked my manager, I'm like, hey, man, what are your thoughts? He's like, you know, you're great, but, you know, those operational mistakes are going to cost you. I was like, you're already telling me. Yeah, yeah, literally, yeah. I'm like, you're already telling me that I'm doing this interview. I know I'm not going to get it. And I you're think I'm going to get it. I'm so ready for it. I'm really ready for it because I have results to talk about. I was going in with stats, with the results. Mm. By this point in time, the BDR team is actually quite successful because my model is being applied across the company. We went from 15 to 40 people. Something is clearly working. Yeah. I'm going in in this weird, the weirdest headspace ever. I'm like, this is a training activity for me, so let's just go do it. The meeting starts. Half an hour goes by. It's going great. The VP of sale, he's like, Saad, Thank you for your diligence. Like, I really enjoyed this. Thank you for bringing the numbers. You were actually the most prepared of everybody that's come on for this. Uh, I was like, oh, thank you, Barry. Like, I, I really appreciate that. Thank you for staying on just for half, half an hour. I appreciate mm -hmm. it. Um, and then he bounced. Um, my manager and that director that I filed a formal complaint against, they both stayed on. By the end of it, my manager, he was just like, oh, thanks, thanks, mate. You know, we've spoken about it. You already know my thoughts. I'm like, he's like, you know, you're my, you're my choice. And like, you know what we need to work on? Whatever he said. Right. And then that sales director and I stayed on for another half an hour. Now for the next half an hour, she basically 
takes her revenge on me filing the formal complaint. She, for the next 30 minutes, goes on to tell me how I'm never going to succeed because I'm too nice. How she goes on to tell me about just, you know, the Zoom, uh, just, you know, like poking buttons on like that, that Zoom thing, like the fact that I brought it up. He's like, like, she just made a story around that, uh, around firing that one kid who was a D player. And, I, and in my interview, uh, I basically presented how I would work on D players and I would bring them up. And she basically mm-hmm. said, that's also one of the reasons why you like, you know, you're, you're not a good fit. Like you need to not think about your team. You need to think about the business. The business mm-hmm. can expand these people, bring other people. In a weird way, she was making a very robotic point. But for somebody who's lived that way, in that point in time, I didn't get it. But I know why she made that point. She was just like, yeah, you know, if, like I would have just expended that person, like hired the next person, like focus on the A player, whatever. I basically told her at the end of it, I'm like, look, I'll, I'll, I'll be straight up with you. There's two ways of doing things. When I said this, I knew I was going to quit very soon. Hmm. I was like, look, there's two ways of doing things. There's your way. And then there's a very human and high performing way, which I know is going to make me very successful. I'm like, keep your position. I'm going to keep my humanity. Nice. I found out two weeks after, or then there's this rumor started to go around. So, this very week, we got Morgan J. Ingram, who's a very famous sales trainer, to come and uh, uh, and do sales training for our company. Now, Morgan and I knew each other from my old company. And uh, and when Morgan actually came on, him and I are really interacting well. Um, he's tagging me on LinkedIn posts. Now, they were starting to get afraid that I was going to go do some kind of whistleblowing, that I was going to do something. And this rumor started going around the company that... The sales director, whose name I'm not going to take, is intimidated by (laughs) This is when I knew I have a bit of power in my hand. Mm -hmm. You know what people told me? That these people had never had somebody stand up to them. I've always been brought up in a Canadian work culture. I've never had toxic bosses around me. I've never dealt with any of that stuff. So whenever they were putting me down, I was just going creating, according to them, more drama. But I was just like... call this drama but i was just like who are you like literally who are you i was at a position where i literally was like i'm gonna take you all down (laughs) like who are you and uh and then this is what happened the story is coming to a little bit of an end now it's sad but we have quarterly business reviews Mm -hmm. in Quarterly business reviews, you do obviously your full analysis of, uh, of the quarter. The previous one was great. Now this one in this third quarter, I was, I was always on one territory. Everybody had territories moved around. My territory was Canada. Canada does not have that many rebates. So I had that other AE. And now <clears throat> for this quarter, I had this new AE. What I decided to do was for this final quarter, I was at the company as a manager I had the most meetings booked on the table. Most meetings booked on the table. But you know what I was doing? I was making sure that the AE would run all the first meetings. So AE would run the qualification. Because the BDRs were going to get paid on qualification calls. And for the last one, nothing was getting qualified. And the AEs were like, BDRs aren't qualifying it well. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to play your game. You go qualify them all. Guess what happened? Only 5% qualified. 
I had the I had the highest booking rate and the lowest qualification rate. Highest booking <laughs> rate, lowest qualification rate. QBR happens. Everybody gets done. My turn comes. My boss has already told me that I'm going to get drilled. Mm-hmm. My boss has already told me that I'm going to get drilled. Now, two weeks prior to the QBR happening, my productivity levels have completely dropped down because now I've started getting offers from other companies. You're actively looking. Yeah. Now, at this point in time, I'm like, I'm, I'm like completely done. I'm like completely done. And uh, my boss basically said, like, man, like, we know things are a little stressy and you're not putting output. Uh, no, 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 no. Actually, a week or so before this, I felt like something was going on internally. I was getting cut off from meetings. Like, there was just, I feel like there was some drama going on. I asked him, like, like uh, boss, when this happened, I'm like, is something going on? Are, are, y'all, are you guys going to fire me? He's like, no, not in the interim. I was like, what kind of an answer is that? Yeah, I was like, what kind of an answer is that? Then two weeks after, after the QBR happened and my productivity levels are like completely low, he's like, whenever that happens, it seems like somebody would be looking for another job. Are you looking for another job? I was like, no, boss, not in the interim. I'm not. <laughs> now, um, so the QBR happens uh, after this. The QBR is happening. And uh, sorry, I missed the timeline. The QBR happened after this. My turn comes. I start getting my turn comes. People open up. He's like, oh, so what happened in your quarter? I'm like... I'm like talking about all the team success. I'm not bringing up anything that I've done wrong. I'm like talking about the team. Like, okay, great on all these things. But like, what's got, what about your pipeline? I'm like, all right, Barry, let's talk about this. I'm like, let's talk about what's been consistent uh, in on this territory. This has been the lowest performing territory for the last three quarters. You've had your best AEs on this territory for the last three quarters. You've had me on this territory for the last three quarters. The meetings booked on this on this territory are in the 90th percentile of the company. For the last quarter, all of these meetings were qualified at a 5% qualification rate. That's the worst qualification rate of the organization. She's like, yeah, Saad. The sales director comes in. She's like, so that's the worst qualification rate of the entire quarter. I'm like, yeah, do you know who qualified them? She's like, who? Your AE did. I'm like, that was your AE. <laughs> you just shut up. <laughs> I'm like, so this is what's going on over here. This is, this is the Canadian market. This is... There's not enough rebates here, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to go into it because it's going to sound like an excuse. And he says, yeah, it's going to sound like an, it is sound like an excuse. I'm like, no, Barry, Barry, it's not an excuse. You just you just have not paid attention to any of the territories. You have no idea what's going on in the business. He's like, are you sure you, you should be talking this way? I'm like, yeah, actually, I'm sure I need to be talking this way because this needs to be brought up. And then the AE comes in. He's like, hey, we've actually spoken about this multiple times about qualifying these things this way. I'm like, no, 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 no. We spoke about this once in passing two weeks ago. You have not actually spoken about this to me multiple times. So please, uh, just hold that down. My manager is messaging me. He's actually, he just sends me a clapping emoji. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool. And then uh, towards the end, um, I basically called them out on a lot of things. And and then at that, and everybody was just like, what is going on? Like, what just happened over here? Um, and then basically the very, ne- the next day I got my offer at my current company. I was just trying to bite my time. Now I'm, and, very... and so you know, immediately you're going to take this offer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually had two offers. I had like two companies competing for the current company that I'm working at right now is my, is actually my dream company that I want to work for. I was actually connected with this company from my old company. Let me say this. I had another company competing for my for, for my signature and they offered me 100k 
salary overall base commission more to come work for them. I did not go there and decide to come work here. Uh, like it, it just was uh, that so, way. So, so you're, you're done from Ribbit. And so now oh, it's yeah. a matter of when are you telling them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, now the reason why I'm not a victim is because things were happening in a very fun way around this time. Like my team knew two months, two months before me even quitting that I'm about to, that I'm checked out. We're just partying. We're, we're partying at work. We're, we're actually working, but we're just like, we do not give a shit. Like it was just like, we're like, we just, we, we don't care. This is, this is just drama right now. So I'm just anxious because my boss and I are friends. Mm-hmm. I respect him. I still like him. We still talk. Uh, what's it called? I'm going to go visit him in the UK uh, in the coming, in the coming months. And I'm just like, and he was the first person that like, hey man, I'm gonna make you a leader. I'm gonna make you a manager. I'm gonna take care of prospecting. Like he always wanted. Every time he came to me with something, he wanted that for me. And yeah. then it was like, it when he was turning, when he was getting cranky, he always had great intentions. Like it was never him. He they were turning him. He was that company for all of us. Like he was the first ever BDR hire, and he became the global head of development. And now he's earning the most redonkulous salary at another company that I've ever heard anybody ever make. Five hundred k euros a year, which is, wow. yeah, um, it's just messed up. So he's in a he deserves to be where he is at. But this is what happened. I'm really anxious about. He is the face of the company. He is the company. I'm really anxious. I'm like I can't. I don't. Want, I don't know how to tell him. I don't know how to tell him. I like you know this is going to be intense. Um, it's a Wednesday, Wednesday evening for me, five o'clock, which is, uh, around 10, 10 PM her t- his time. I give him a call. Uh, I'm like, Hey man, I got to tell you something. He's like, ha, you're about to quit. Aren't you? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I am. But why are you so, why do you sound so excited? He's drunk. He's like, <laughs> he's like, man, I'm a few drinks and I just handed my resignation an hour ago. Why? <laughs> 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 My entire reality crashed. I'm like, what just happened here? <laughs> so you had no idea that he was on the I verge. I had no idea. I had no idea what was going on. I don't know what that feeling was. It was, it was euphoria. It was validation. It was like obviously I was going through confidence knocks. It was like I'm trying to be strong. I was strong, but like this was a traumatic. This was actually a traumatic time. If you think about it, so. Yeah, that's the that's the little story. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so, I mean, so uh, how did everyone else react? So, obviously, your manager's happy for you. Um, yeah. But how did the rest of your team react when you when you told them? Two of them cried. They were like, "It was, it was, yeah, it was." One of them was like, "Take me with you." I, I did, uh, and they were just like, "It was." Uh, they were all very deeply affected. They were like, "Hey, you're the company." Like. If my manager was a company for me, I was a company for them. They were like, yeah. Yeah, the BDR, our, for us, the company's culture was the culture that the BDR team has had, the culture that you created. Like, they were, they were, a part of them was that you can't let us be. So that's basically what happened. Three of them quit. One of them got promoted to AE, and one of them came with me. And did you ever, like, you know, the, the sales director that you had, the, like, the rival, or not the rivalry, but, you know, that sort of disconnect with uh, any reaction from them or anyone else outside no, of your team? You know what I did the day I quit? I blocked them. I deleted like from LinkedIn, from anything and everything. So it's like, you know, completely like eradicated them from all everything. Well, I have to say, Todd, if we went, if we had a time machine and you could go back into all these choices you could make, would you still go with Ribbit Rebate? 
or would you warn yourself and say, no, take one of these other opportunities? Uh, that's a tough one. I used to be that person who would always say, man, I would change so many things in life. And now I'm at a point where I would not change anything in life. So it's like, I don't know. Maybe that's a very tough question. I probably would have still gone with Ribery. I yeah, I maybe I would have still gone with Ribery there, because uh, it was again gonna be me going to a startup, going to do things that you know I wouldn't have got an option to do at the other company. So yeah, it would have been it would have still been a story, maybe a different story, but it would have, it would have still been a story. Todd, thanks so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. <laughs>
I, I definitely think there's a few. I think April 1st is definitely like April Fool's Day. That just causes confusion for people. People think it's a joke versus not. So I think it's best to avoid April Fool's Day just because it confuses everyone at the company, whether it's a joke or not. So I would avoid right, that. Just they're escorting for, you downstairs. And you're like, come on. Is this a joke? Yeah, it's just not a good look because everyone's confused. You really want to have a clean break when you're letting someone go. And April Fool's Day introduces a lot of ambiguity for everyone <laughs> involved. Right. Now, obviously, you can't fire someone on like Christmas Day. No. But what is the buffer period? Like when, how many days before and after Christmas do you need to wait? Like I think, what, December, I think people start their vacation around the 20th. Like the office is pretty quiet. Right. I think you can't do it from the 20th till the 1st. I think like once the new year has started, just I think the second is okay. The first workday back of the new year, I think that's appropriate. But anything up and be from the 20th to the the third, the first or whenever the first day back, off limits like it's just like their family time they don't want to be stressed about that but new year new them new career so i think that's okay you're giving them the, the first either they might be hung over from the day before so right. you, you also want to keep that day safe but then january 2nd you're out of here you're out of here and that's best for them they have a whole year to like start working on their next job so i think that's that's greenfield you can you can fire someone on january right. 2nd now thanksgiving though because that's another time it's kind of like the end of the year. Everyone's kind of off that week. It's going to be awkward if you have to fire them right before Thanksgiving because they're going to have to tell their family. And that's kind of probably uncomfortable for some people, you know? That's right. Would, it be, would you be happier being fired like the Monday after Thanksgiving? I think so because you've already told everyone the story of your career and what's going well up right. in that point. I would say maybe even Black Friday would be okay because it's already like you've had the big family dinner at that point and then you're you have the weekend to start thinking about what you want to do next so as far um, as you're concerned once you've had the turkey once you've had the turkey you, so you, you let them go yeah even thanksgiving later in the day like the evening on thanksgiving it's okay i think so assuming everyone in the family's already gone home at that point i think that's fair game um, halloween i think like it could cause some confusion because it's kind of a weird day to let someone go on. Maybe there's like you dress up funny or something for it, like Grim Reaper. You kind of lighten the blow, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering like, what, what costume would you want someone to fire you while wearing? Like, what if they're dressed like Mario from Yo? <laughs> <laughs> that Mario would be. Buddy. Yeah, the, was the Mario Brothers letting me go? I mean, there is something that makes it very surreal, which I think I would appreciate. Of it, but I don't know. Do I really care if they're wearing like bit formal business clothes when they're firing me? Right. Yeah, I or, think Halloween's okay. I'll say Halloween's okay as long as the person who's firing you is wearing a costume of some sort. <laughs> um, I think that just adds a whole experience. It makes a great story too for later on in life. Right. Like I was fired by a ghost. Yeah. Hilarious. <laughs> now um, the other, I another one is. I, I've seen this happen is people getting fired right before they go on vacation. Oof. And it strikes me as, you know, is the company trying to save on severance pay because you're going on a two week vacation where we would have had to pay you. But then we say, Oh, while you're away for those two weeks, you're actually fired and we're giving you two weeks severance. So is it just sort of a cost savings measure? And is it really an underhanded move? Ooh, I would say it's, I think it's an underhanded move. But I think there is also that whole thing of like, I know when I'm on vacation for a bit, 
once I forgot what I do for a living, I think there's that like halfway point where I start thinking about like what I'm going to do when I get back to work and all the new things I'm thinking about, like from that business book I read. So I think halfway through vacation is on limits because they're already starting to do that, that mental labor for the company again. So they can start thinking about something else opposed to wasting their time thinking, applying business book concepts to their current role. So, so you I, think maybe like the first few weeks, first few days of your vacation might be kind of ruined. Yeah. But then after the, the second half, you'll be more reflective and actually have a really positive like experience, like not not worried about your vacation being over because you realize you don't have anywhere to go back to. Right. And then it's not like because if you get fired right as you get back from vacation, that stress is you're supposed to be at work. But if you have that vacation time to process it, you're already thinking about other things at that point. You're already moving on. At least that's how I see it playing out. I would have to have it happen to me to say for sure. But that's how I would handle it. I would say probably the best move. I think it would always be a mean move to cut off, cut off on someone's severance. So you should probably fire them the day they get back. But emotionally, that might be harder on them, I think is my take. It's a it's a it's a double edged sword to be honest. Well, and really, in in all of these, I mean, it's never no one ever feels good about it getting laid off or fired, no. and so there's probably never a perfect time to do it. There there never is a perfect time to get fired or fire someone. Um, but hey, some good news, folks. Jake and I don't have any vacation coming up, so expect another episode very soon. Hopefully, in the coming coming weeks, coming month. So stay tuned and look out for your next episode of Tales from the Sass Graveyard.